All right. We're here at the 28 to 3 podcast. I'm here with Nick, Max, Corey. And for our first guest, who could only be the first guest, it's a man that needs no introduction because y'all all knew him, Saints Hall of Famer, Roman Harper. What's going on, Rome? What's up, fellas? Uh, Max? Yeah, welcome to the show, bud. Corey? And who's the other third partner in crime right here? Nick. Yeah, you've met Nick before at some Nick. point at Root. We've had a shot or two with him. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> We also might have hung out in Denver at the Denver game. Oh, remember that? We were at the same restaurant before. Oh, um, yes. Okay. I think that was Peyton years. Was that when Peyton was there, man? Yeah, that was the, uh, yeah, the game uh, that kicked the crap out of us. On game. Yeah, it was we terrible. That was, the, that, then. that was uh, Steve Spagnolo's defense. Yeah. We were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Thanks for bringing back that memory, buddy. Yeah, you, you saying that room probably just took a, a solid 10 minutes out of this podcast. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, look, they couldn't have ever – like I, I told Max this earlier, Rome, it didn't matter if we were uh, five episodes in, 100 episodes in. It could only be one one first guest. So, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a historic moment for the 28-3 podcast, and we're doing a little bit ahead of, ahead of schedule now that you, Rome, are our first guest and. You know, I know just as a little bit of background, you know, you and Max known each other for a long time. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be friends with Max when he had his restaurant rude and I was sitting there just having a drink with Max one night and, you know, me being the uh, lifelong Saints fan that I was. And then Max comes up and was like, hey, man, you want to come do a shot with uh, Roman Harper for his birthday? And I'm like, wait. You mean Roman Harper, the Saint, the Saints player? And uh, he's like, "Yeah, who the who the hell else do you think I'm talking about?" And uh, but that the coolest thing about that was like, "Yeah, we did a shot, no big deal." And then you and I, Roman, got to got to know each other after that. And uh, you know, shit, that was back in like 2010. So it was, well, I mean, <laughs> time flies, right? <laughs> That's crazy how long ago that was. Um, yeah, because, I mean, the only, the only reason I can say it with, with that much certainty is that I was in law school, you know, from, from 08 to 11. And I know that I was in law school because that was the only time where, like, if it wasn't, like, a month before my finals and shit, I could kind of have free reign or whatever I wanted to do, including, like, go drink way too many Negronis at root with max and, uh, and then do shots for Roman Harper on his birthday, even if it was a fucking Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, so like, that's my frame of reference for that. So yeah, I mean, good Lord. That was like 12 years ago. As pumped as everyone is about your law school career. I'm not pumping up the flag. I'm just saying frame of reference, frame of reference. Come on, man. Maybe we can talk a little bit about football rather than your point is Rome's an old friend. He was the first guest of the pod. So let's go. Let's get into it. Yeah. Draft. Let's yeah. roll. Well, I think we should start with, Rome. tell us a little bit about your draft experience. You know, you were drafted back in uh, 2006 in the second round. So take us through, I guess, that whole that whole weekend. You know, uh, I guess it would have been Friday night when you were selected. So what? No, no, no. It was, uh, it was, oh, would have been um, that was when the draft. Yeah. 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 Draft was just two days yeah. back then. Uh, first three rounds on Saturday. And then Sunday was uh, four through seven. So I was just a, I was a first day guy. So in all honesty, uh, fellas, all right, it was, um, I didn't know where I was going to go. 
I knew I wasn't a first round pick, uh, according to my agent. Uh, teams, every team he had done this breakdown on, I was either going to go from anywhere from the second round all the way to the fifth round. So I, so leading up to the draft, I didn't party, I didn't really drink, I didn't hang out really for like months because I just didn't want to get in trouble. I wanted to put everything I had into this whole process so I could look back and say, you know, I did everything I could under my own power to try and put myself in the best position to be drafted high. But I truly had no idea who was all interested in me. I had, I probably talked to 10, 12 teams at the combine, if that many. And then um, during the like visits part of the rec- the whole thing, I had zero visits. I didn't go anywhere. Nobody like brought me out anywhere. I had uh Carolina Panthers uh, safeties coach, uh, Mr. Uh, coach Gilhammer actually, came and saw me in Tuscaloosa. And that was the only team that actually like tried to come see me or had any contact with after the combine. So I literally had no clue. And, um, and um, it was just weird to me that nobody, you know, I I understand why later um, as I got into the league and was there a long time, I figured out why, but at the time I was very naive and just didn't understand it. I was actually quite jealous of other people and, and envious because I just didn't know, um, so that Friday night before the draft, you know, I told you I hadn't partied or anything, and I was back in Tuscaloosa, and I kicked the ball out of the park that night. I freaking went hard in the paint, like, <laughs> like, like, like we know, like, like we all know how Roman Harper knows how to get after it. Well, you, that was that, that was that like night. You got right. right? Sounds like you got oh, right. Man. I, I went all in, and so Saturday morning, I woke up literally as the draft was about to start about noon, you know? So I literally just rolled over when the draft was about to start. I was like, dude, I got to like sober up, get home. It's about an hour and 15 ride. So I, um, I showered, got cleaned up, got in the car, drove home. By the time I got home, the second round was just about to start. And, um, I was at home for 30 minutes or so. And, um, maybe, 35, 40 minutes. I don't even know. And then my mom was like, Hey, somebody's calling the house phone. They want to talk to you. And I was like, who the hell would be calling my parents' house phone right now? Um, The landline. Yeah. The landline. Like who would be calling my parents' house phone? So I'm sitting here on my T-Mobile sidekick and uh, talking to one of my, my, my team, one of my former college teammates, uh, just chatting it up with him on aim or whatever. And then, um, it was uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, and they were saying they were going to draft me. And I just hit them with a whole bunch of, like, uh-huh, yes, sir, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I got off the phone, and I got off the phone with him after that. My mom was like, who is it? Who is it? I was like, oh, there's just somebody wanted to ask about some interview stuff, maybe possibly afterwards. Because I, I heard of these stories where people say they're going to draft you, and then they don't. So I didn't want to, like, disappoint my mom or, you know, get anybody's hopes up. So I just was, like, playing it cool, just like, all right, they said they're going to draft me, but I don't even know. And then I saw them up on the clock, just like – and, like, I didn't even see the Saints even on the clock, really. It was more like they were talking about and discussing these other, these couple other picks right in front of me. And then next you know, it, like, flashed across the, the bottom. It was, like, next pick. And then my name scrolls across. Everybody Man. goes crazy. Um, and uh, next you know, a, a lot of people from Prattville – showed up at the house. I didn't want to party or anything, so I didn't play any of those things. And um, it was really cool, though, um, just going back into it. Like I said, i never forget that moment. Then after that, I got to talk to 
the defensive coordinator, uh, Gary Gibbs, my, my safeties coach um, at the time, and uh, just more and more of the guys, and then a couple other media opportunities. But And then I didn't go to New Orleans until a week later. It's not like they flew me out like some teams do, the first and second round pick. New Orleans was cool with just flying out Reggie Bush. So, like, once Reggie got drafted, <laughs> it was like – we're, we're all good after that. So it was, um, but it was cool, man. I didn't have to wait forever. And um, I remember it like it was yesterday. So I got drafted. I talked to my financial guy um, later on that afternoon. I was like, bro, like, and I already knew a car I wanted. So literally I got drafted on Saturday and I had my brand new bins on Thursday <laughs> delivered to my house. Hell so yeah. it was like, it was yeah, like, it was, it was, yeah. First, the first thing. Yeah. <laughs> I already knew what car I wanted, man, and so it was. Uh, it was really cool to uh, to kind of. Uh, I wanted a drop top, so uh, I got my bands, which I still have to this day. I drove it today to golf, so it was oh, good. What? There you go. Damn. Well, yeah. I just. I just. I got like seventy thousand miles on it, so it's it's still riding good. Wait, hold on. Wait, let me get that straight. So the, you, the same car you got right after you drafted, you just yeah. drove today to go play golf. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got like a, like right above. Yeah, right above 70,000 miles on it. But, like, half the miles on it, you know. I mean, it's great. The engine's new because around 2000, uh, I'd say 2010 or 11, I, um, I, 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 I was driving in training camp with it, and it had been raining really bad out there by the airport. And I went to that Shell gas station past the airport, uh, right there on the left-hand side, right there in, uh, what is that, Harahan? Not Harahan. Uh, is that Harahan? Rose. Yeah, St. Rose. Yeah, right there in St. Rose, yeah. like right there by the casino gas station right there on the left. You know, they got a, they got a driving range out there that stays open until like midnight. Exactly. I used to go there a lot. So um, <laughs> Draft beer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cheap steak, too. Steak's pretty good out there, too. Yeah, steak's so much. Yes. Great steak night on like Tuesday or Wednesday night. Awesome. So I'm um, going to do that like uh, tomorrow. 20 minutes. <laughs> You know me, I'm I'm a man of the people, so I go everywhere. So um, he's, coming from, he's coming in from the right now, though. He's not coming in from the right. I am. I'm, yeah, I'm pulling it a lot more. But anyways, so I go in the gas station, and, it, like, it was a puddle, and I drove through it, and something came up through the water, messed up my engine. Uh, they wanted to uh, total my car out, but my car was worth too much at the time. So um, they had to build me a brand-new engine, so I didn't have it for, like, 18 months as they built a, and constructed Jesus. me an engine from Germany and uh, and then sent it over. So. That's my story, and so half the miles on the car are not even are all brand new. So, but that's my baby. I'll never get rid of it, and it's in the driveway uh, in the garage. Well, it's funny what you color? have that car from 2006, and Nick, the FJ. What year is that? Right around the same time. Oh Jesus, 2000, 2007. So Nick won. Nick what, 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 won an FJ. Wait, wait, wait. What, what color is that Benz? I was black with black 4G autos. Actually, I just tried to do. Uh, redo my 4G autos. I was going to get them like redone and, you know, had a little bend in one of them because I had them for so long. <laughs> they they literally told me that uh, we don't even, we can't fix these rims because this was like the first year 4G autos came out. You were part of the, like the original buyers of 4G auto. And so <laughs> because we can't fix it, we love to offer you because we are such a valued customer because you were one of the originals that um, that we'll give you we, yeah, we'll give you all new rims at uh, at cost, and it was all like, Shit. and um, and so that would have saved a lot, but I didn't. I was like, no, nah, I still just want my rims, so I just did them. <laughs> nice. I just took them to another person and got them. So, so, so oh, your, oh, your car is uh, six, 17 years old. I think Nick's is sixteen years old. Nick's FJ, which he won, 
has a tree growing out of the uh, the spare tire in the back. It has about like, two hundred thousand miles on it. So here's the difference. So like Max told me this, and and literally, I think we report we were recording the the first episode of this pod uh, right here in Nick's office, which, like I said. This this shit ain't getting posted on video. <laughs> uh, well, we're normally in the same room, like Michael Jordan. Well, like, maybe in like a year, maybe in like a year, we're like throwback, and we're like, you or, know, or Corey, 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 Corey. Hold that thought. Well, my point is, my point is, my point is, like Nick's is like Max is like Nick's got a tree growing out of his spare tire. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. There's no way. And I look, I look, and like we took our iPhone like to the back of the like the cover. And that tree's been there two years. There's a bonsai tree, like, growing right at, between the seams. And I'm like, Nick, come on, man. Like, you've got an a other nice, very, very nice car. Like, what's going on here? You got a kid. It's like Rome, man. You, you got these nostalgic freaking things that you got to hang on to forever. Yeah, and, 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 and Roman, normally, it, it adds character. Normally, we record in the same room. I'm in the, uh, the COVID compound right now. I got diagnosed with COVID this morning. So Michael Jordan, oh, sorry game. I've got the uh, the COVID podcast going on right now. So. Yeah, this is, yeah, Rome, there you go. This is Max's flu game. Yeah. Just so you know. All right, he, Max went there with it. We That's weren't hilarious. with it, but Max just so you just set a high bar for yourself there, Max, because like we weren't even going to say. I'm, I'm coming in hot. I got the game winning shot later on. So yeah, let's, 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 yeah, you you set the bar high for yourself there, Max, because like so, Roman, so, I've got I got a quick question for you. You mentioned right. something like three weeks before the draft, you just laid low. Why do you think so many players we hear about every year have trouble? You know, it, it seems like right before the draft that impacts draft stock and costs them a fortune. It's something that's like drives me crazy that there aren't people there, you know, giving them guidance, like make sure none of this happens. Why do you think, why do you think we have a story like that every year? Uh, they don't listen to people like myself. Um, and at the end of the day, they always believe that it won't happen to me, that you've been able to get away with certain things. You haven't got caught doing this. And I was really good at not getting caught doing stuff. But at the same time, like, I just didn't want to risk it. I, for me, it was that I was so nervous about, you know, working all so hard and then having this feeling of disappointment. So the best way to not be disappointed is literally to put all your chips in. And so saying, like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is the ship that I'm rolling on, and I'm fully committed to it. And so um, – and just going all in like that, it just really changed me. It, it allowed me to – I mean, I wasn't focused on anything else. I wasn't in school. I wasn't doing anything but training and really just focusing on trying to be the best NFL prospect at the time as I could be. And uh, And even though I didn't get any visits, I didn't get all the phone calls and things like that, I had no idea where it was going to end up, um, but it worked out in the end. And uh, and like I told guys over this past weekend when I was in Kansas City was that, you know, nobody cares in the building about how you get there. It's all about what you do once you get there and uh, and how do you separate yourself and become part of the team and make yourself so valuable that the team cannot let you go. Yeah, Rome, let me ask you this. Do you guys, as active players, pay attention to the draft at all? Or just something like, eh, let's see when they show up and, you know, we'll we'll go from there? So, so in all honesty, uh, Max, I, I paid attention to it for the first, like, two or three years. And then after that, I was like, uh, I think I'm kind of established. Like, I'm not even worried about 
them drafting anybody or bringing somebody in in my position. Like, if that was to happen, then, you know, fuck it. I mean, I'll beat them out, right? It's just I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, after my rookie year, my rookie year, I tore my ACL. That following year, they bring in a safety to replace me, you know, Kevin Casebarn. I actually ended up keeping my job. He took Josh Bullock. So it's like, you know, seeing these things a couple years continue that, oh, man, you look up and then next thing you know, that's just part of the business. And uh, when they draft guys and, you know, and then even my last year there, when they drafted Kenny Vaccaro, it wasn't like he, like, beat me out. They just, you know, had a knee injury. The next you know, he was full-time starter. Then I was back full-time starting because he broke a leg, like, literally a week back after I came back after injury. So um, I, I just never in my mind ever thought about that. I hardly – I still really don't watch the draft. Like, uh, I was there. I paid attention to the first couple rounds just purely because I was there. Um, but I couldn't tell you, like, who drafted who too, 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 too deep into it because – I've just trained myself to not worry about it. I don't care about it. I'll, I'll get to know guys once they show up and show me that they deserve my attention. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Makes sense. So, uh, talking about the draft, you know, we've talked a little bit, I mean, probably not a little bit, a good bit about the Saints draft, whether it's, you know, on the pod or with friends, you know, you're a defensive guy, Rome the Saints put a big emphasis on defense coming out 29, pick 29. Everybody thought we were going to trade up that. I mean, even Loomis in this press conference before the draft said we got eight picks right now, you know, and, and uh, I almost saw that as like a reverse smoke screen, to be honest. Cause like whenever we trade up, he never says like, we got eight picks right now or, or, you know, we got capital. So when he threw that out there, I said, I still don't trust him not to trade up in the first round and, and mortgage like future first round picks, but that hasn't worked well. Like it hasn't, yeah. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, that's you. been a big topic of discussion. So like that said, you know, staying put, waiting it out, not trading up, get a guy like Jalen Carter, waiting for a guy like Breezy to fall to as a 29. I mean, what are your thoughts on that first round pick for the black and gold? All right. Number one, um, we, I got to, I got to teach everybody how to say his name correctly. So <laughs> only reason I know, it, yeah, because it, it, no, no, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's like bruh, like brazé. Oh, so really? yes, yes. So Brian Brazé is how you really truly say it. And the only reason I know that is because my college classmate, his name's Todd Bates, actually recruited him to Clemson and coached him at Clemson his first two years before he left on the staff. His last year went uh, to Oklahoma. And so he knows Brian Brzee really well, and he enunciated it to me. It's like, bruh, man, like, bruh, Zay. And like, I'm like, oh. Dude, sweet. thank you. I'm going to say thank this. you for that, I'm because I have said it seven different ways in the yeah. last 24 yeah. hours. So. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Everybody has. I think, I think it's possible then that even though he might be the best fit, he probably went to the worst franchise in terms of pronunciation because you know we all want to say Breeze. Yeah. We all want to say Breeze. Like, yeah. you just want to say, like, that name again, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah, so that's, good so that's the number one thing. Um, the, the second thing I would say is that, man, I think it's a hell of a pick. I actually really, really love the pick. Not only that, but it checks a really big need for this New Orleans Saints defense. Cam Jordan was asking for more help. You know what? Big-time help is on the way. 
Not only is he uh, a game record, he's really good against the run, but he also has some pass rush and wiggle and can get up the field and really uh, he's bigger than what you think. He plays really big. He has a mean streak and an attitude. He plays with, you know, some gumption to him. So I, I really like this move. Now, I mean, and you just look at his background. He was the number one player coming out of high school, landing at Clemson. He was the best player on the Clemson team as a true freshman, really. Like, if you really brush the tape, he was the best player out there most games and being very disruptive. He tore his ACL his sophomore year later in the season. That stinks. And then coming back his junior year, they had a totally defensive, total defensive, you know, staff for the most part. They were running some similar things, but they didn't ask him to do the same type of things. I thought his junior year, it was a falling off, but I think it was not only the injury, but then also what they asked him to do was not the same. Not having the same staff, not having the same coaches, like that can affect different players. Not only that, but he was ready to go to the league as well. So um, I'm really excited for him actually for the Saints going to get him. I don't know if he failed there, but I would be excited, especially being able to get this man when two and a half years ago, there's no way he would have been projected late in the first round. He would have been an early first round projection. So um, anytime you can get high quality player, really great character. Everybody talks about his work ethic and how good of a person he is. I know this from um, my former teammate in uh and so I'm actually going to have to reach out to him because he actually already sent me his numbers. Like, hey, I already told him about you, Roman, blah, blah, blah. So I actually have to do my due diligence and reach out to this young man myself. So, um, But I really, 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 really love to pick act because it's a, it's a necessity. It's in a place of need. And I really, really like the player as well. Yeah, and, and Rome, you brought up a good point. He was the consensus number one recruit coming out his senior year. No doubt. Like he was, no he doubt. was the guy. And uh, like yes. you said, his freshman year at Clemson, I heard the, I saw the interview with uh, Dabo Sweeney saying that he was in, the best player on the team. Which is crazy when you consider Trevor and, Lawrence, ETN, everybody. He he played with a mean streak like no other. He was a game wrecker in the versus the run and the pass. Really, really quick player. Very twitchy to have his size and you know to have that size and speed combination that he does. Very, very disruptive player with great lateral quickness, can get across the ball really fast, great swim move, early down situations. I'm telling you, and if he can continue to put it together, using his hands more, being able to get more counter pass rush moves, he's going to be an effective defensive lineman on run and pass down. So that's what you I really, really like about him. You know, Dallas, they got the big guy from Michigan. He's not that effective on the pass. He's more of a run stopper that's really good on yeah. first and second down. But he's not giving you what Brian Brzee will give you on third down in, uh, in the NFL. So, Roman, you, you mentioned something about scheme in his junior year not fitting him. How does the Saints scheme fit him? Is it a good fit? Uh, Max and I have always talked about a guy we liked a lot who came by the restaurant a lot, Akeem Hicks. And after he left here, um, you know, he said a lot of things about – the Saints staff didn't put him in the right position for his skill set. You know, th there was some stuff out there for that. How important is that one and two for, you know, a rookie coming in? How does our scheme currently as it sits with Dennis Allen fit his skill set? So I think it would be interesting to see if it's the actual same type of defense that they're trying to run because coordinator's gone, DA still calling the plays. But as the players change, DA's always been willing to change. It's like 
Danny's not like this one-trick pony guy. Uh, so it'd be really interesting to see uh, as they continue to build out this defense what it looks like. Um, because DA's run a three four and a four three, so very multiple defense, and so that's what I think they pride themselves on. Um, but I, I think the scheme itself will be fine that fits this young man, just because, like I said, he's an attacking defensive lineman. I think he's an up the field, very aggressive three technique, and I think if you need him, he can kick out and play a five technique easy. In a three four because he's over three hundred some pounds at six five yeah. and some change so he fits and checks all the boxes like I said he's really great against the run and he has a great lateral quickness and great first step to beat you and be a, a, a effective pass rusher on the other situations uh, as far as Akeem Hicks Akeem's biggest thing was he was as an early player he was a, a great uh, like he could really push the pocket really use his size to push the pocket. I think Akeem's only problem he had with us is that Akeem didn't get to play third down as much as he wanted to because we had other guys doing it. And so Akeem wanted to get sacks because everybody was getting sacks. That's how you get known. And we're like, get paid. yeah, and, you know, <laughs> we, we wanted Akeem to get some pass rush reps. But Akeem would always, instead of staying in his pass rush lanes and stuff, he'd get too wide or he hit him with a, you know, a 350-pound big man spin move every now and then. It gets him a little too wide, and then next thing you know, you know, and those rush opportunities in that time for this team, for the Saints at that time, were very, very, um, uh, um, how do you say, um, well-respected. They were like diamonds. They were very precious. Everybody yeah. wanted them. We had Cam Jordan. We had right. Junior Gallette. We had Martez Wilson. We had all these guys who could get after the pass rusher, but we were just trying to all get them all their reps. We also had said Ellis, I believe at the time. So, um, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, it was, uh, very few and far between, but yeah, I, I get it. I understand why Akeem felt that way. And, um, he became a really great player and he would not have become that if he didn't leave. And, and that's how the game works. Yeah. And, uh, so Molly, and we'll leave this as like kind of the final closing thought on, on Brzee, but good job, Corey, you already got it, baby. I'm working, I'm working. I had to really try on that one. I had to really try because I just want to say breezy. Yeah. I want to say breezy. Anyway, but and this this is the the only thing that kept coming back in my mind throughout this draft. It was a weird draft for me for the Saints, but like I think we kicked it off with, with Brze. Is that and correct me if I'm wrong here, Roman. You've seen it before, but like it seems to me like we're betting on character. You know, we have we have said you know, everybody that gets drafted. Period. It's a it's a fundamental it's draft. Easy. It was a, it was a defensive lineman yeah. and yeah. with a second defensive lineman following behind it. Well, well, what I'm saying is that yeah, we we fit the needs, of course. But like as Roman knows, if you get drafted, you were athletically gifted as hell. Like whether you're first round or seventh round, you're doing something right. But it's the common denominator that I saw with this particular Saints draft was that we were betting on character. And so, well, you say you that like there's like no Brzee. talent. Like Mike Ditka bet on character. No, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying, no, Max, I'm saying like, I'm not saying there's no talent, but I'm saying there's talent across the board. Now, granted, there's a big difference between a first-round talent and a seventh-round talent, presumably. I mean, we've seen that shake out between, you know, uh, a first-round bust and a Tom Brady in the seventh round. But what I'm saying is that we've seen St. Strauss before where they go Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, just – pure measurables, uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste. And it's like, 
who the hell are these guys? I mean, but when I say guys, I mean like who are they as a person? Yeah, I feel like every pick we made this but year. Those weren't bad guys. Those I'm not saying they were bad. I'm not saying they were bad guys, but I'm saying like the thing that stood out to me this year is that everybody we picked, you can look at that person, at, and this is me as a fan, like not even as a player, not as a former player. <laughs> like, running, like we could figure out pretty quickly the character of these guys, and it's, so my question to you, Roman, is the guy's been there before. What is the value you place on the character element? when you see a team putting a draft class together versus a, a team that's just going for straight measurables, straight 40 times, straight height, weight, variables. Well, I, I think it's huge because you want to build the right locker room. And so if you bring in, you know, the best high character guys, not only high character, but that love football and have the ability and the measurables, all those things on top. I think that's what it's all about because at some point these young rookies will be leaders inside your locker room. And so when the best players are good people, everybody falls in line. And those are some of the best locker rooms I've ever been around where when the best players are actually really good people as well. You know, in, in New Orleans, in Carolina, it, it never failed me. And I was around a ton of great guys, as long as great play, football players as well. Um, I think that's a great emphasis. I think Jeff Ireland has done a really great job. He and the scouting, college scouting staff on – understanding where they put value at and you know the draft drafting with guys like they've done an outstanding job as a team with new orleans when it comes to like drafting lately and that's how you win and not just first and second round guys but like four through seven is when you like really separate yourself as like a draft guru is when you can get guys in the four through seven round who like contribute sometimes start like come out there and make plays for you um that's huge. Um, I, um, what was the safety from, I mean, the corner from uh, from Stanford a couple of years ago? He was a later-round guy. But yeah, Adebo was what, a, a third-round third, third round pick? Yeah. But started as a rookie. Yeah, starting as a rookie, making plays. So those things start to happen. And then, you know, uh, the one from Tennessee last year who I was on. Uh, yeah. Monte Taylor? Yeah, I was a little questionable on because I didn't love him at Tennessee. But then, hey. You get him in the right scheme, he's flying around, he's making plays, and you just never know. So all those things, they see it when nobody else does. Well, let me let me say this. I'm going to – you didn't do it. I'm going to toot your horn for you. You called it with a lot of – and I texted you after the draft. And I was like, yo, talk to me about this guy. What do you know? And you said team captain, you know, like tough guy, smart player, has skills, and he stepped right in and did what, honestly, you described. Yeah, I, I told you I liked his game. I mean, he was on a bad Tennessee defense. And I and so sometimes you don't know if it's the defense or what are they being taught. Like, all those things matter. I thought he made plays. I thought he would be a day one special teams big-time contributor because that's what he flew around. He really did that well at Tennessee. But, um, you know, to be able to go in and contribute, especially with all the injuries the Saints have had at the secondary position or – Every year it seems like they got more and more guys hurt. So you need depth. Yeah. And uh, you can never have too many cornerbacks or offensive linemen, in my opinion, or D-line. Like Roman, you mentioned the, the leadership or character component off of Corey's question. Who were the best leaders when you were with the Saints and Carolina? Just out of curiosity, 
as far as teammates and leaders just, you know, in the locker room or for the team, you know, team captains, whatever, who are, who are the best of the best at that? Well, I've never seen a, a better leader of men than John Vilma. Um, it's just that when he speaks, it resonates, uh, it sticks, people listen. Um, and, you know, he's not always like a rah-rah, sis-boom-bah guy, not always talking, but like when he talks, it, like people move and people listen, they perk up. He knows how to control a room like I've never seen before, better than anybody else I know. Drew Brees, of course, because of his work ethic. Um, Drew is a leader in every shape, form, and fashion of it, in every aspect of his life, whether it's being a father, a football player, a quarterback, an offensive leader, whatever that is, Drew's great at it. So um, a great person like that. Getting to know Demario Davis as well has been quite fascinating. Um, Really good player, really great leader. Um, Malcolm Jenkins is another guy, even from a young age, that when he spoke, like people liked to listen. And he liked to be out front. He was one of those guys that like, man, don't worry about it. I'm going to carry it out front. You know, I'm going to be the first one in the line. I'm going to do it. And me, I'm like, bro, you can have all this. But you know, <laughs> that's what it was. And um, yeah. I-, I loved it. I think from an outsider's perspective, you you went on the field too. Right, right. right. But I'm, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a quiet guy. I'm cool. I just like do it my play and like. Yeah. You know, and I know hey, how to like quiet? side talk. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I, I know how to like <laughs> side talk guys where it's like, you know, somebody that's in the leadership role will say something. And then when everybody's done, I'll come over and be like, hey, what he's really trying to say is this, this and this or what coach really is looking for are these little things right here. So that was more of who I was as a person and as a player. Uh, Luke Keekley to me really comes to mind and jumps yeah. off the, the board just because. I mean, not only is he an amazing player, but, man, he's one of the most genuinely the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. And so he's the one that I really think about when I'm like, when great people are your best players, everything else starts to fall in line. And, um, I mean, we stay in the same uh, condo, and, like, if he ever saw me coming out, he's like, man, can I help you get the groceries? I'm like, bro, you don't have to help me get groceries, dog. You know, but, you know, for him to, like, to want to get the groceries or, hey, let me, do I need your help with carrying the kid? Let me carry the groceries. You just get your kid. Like, and that's just who he is. He's genuinely the nicest human being you'll ever see or meet. And, uh, and uh, it, you know, I saw him a couple weeks ago. He was country line dancing, sweating his ass off. <laughs> and, uh, scared and shocked the crap out of me because I'm like, who the hell? Taps me on my back, and Luke Keekley's there sweating his balls off with a <laughs> cowboy hat on. So uh, it's hey, good, man. Sweating, man. Hey, man, we all love retirement for different reasons. Yeah, I got one more. I got a follow-up question to that because you have to settle a debate for us. Uh, um, oh, here we go. We had a big discussion over, as a saint only, Demario Davis versus Jonathan Vilma Ooh. in the pecking order of all time. Bro. Since you brought both of them up, if you had to pick one of those guys as far as their career, just with the Saints, you know, not neither of them with the Jets, but just with the Saints. Like you could only pick one? If you have to rank one ahead of the other, who gets that nod? Because we both felt they were the best leaders of their, you know, time frame here. Obviously, both incredible pro bowler, all pro, you know. Uh, Vilma, probably the best trade in Saints history. Yeah, you can stop. Uh, you can stop. I'll take John Vilma all day. Oh, and Nick, I think I said that, dude. I think that was my answer, too. Well, we talked about this, too, because the value of one 
small piece of hardware that one has that the other. Well, he also played with John and not with Demario. I think you had the same piece of hardware, Rum. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, and it's also it's it's like, look, man. No knock on Demario. No, not at all. No, and not also at all. Demario. Demario would be a better Will linebacker than a Mike linebacker as well, and Vilma more of a Mike. But, um, but I just take Vilma. Number one, he was my teammate. Number two, I, I just, man, the defenses that he led were remarkable, remarkable. And the fact that like yeah. we, 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 <laughs> we caused so many turnovers. It was a different breed of football than what they do now. I, I think the Saints now pride themselves on not stopping the run and being stingy in like the red zone. But like yeah. they never caused defenses. And like as good as their defense is, nobody feared them like they I feel like they feared our defense when we were playing. Like when we were under oh, Greg, no. yeah. When we were under Greg that oh nine, two thousand ten, like people kind of feared us because of the way we played. And also two thousand eleven, yeah. which is probably our most talented team overall. Um, for sure. Those those teams, like, man, people feared us. Uh, we caused so many turnovers. We flew around. I think nowadays they they play a lot more. Um, you know, they have a, a more of a they have a more of a, a way of the way in which they play, and which is going to be stopping the run first and foremost. Just trying to get to down and distance. Right, right, right. But they they're not the turnover forcing machine that flies around and does 30 right. different formations and you got safety. We got all guys on the line of scrimmage. Like they don't, they're not, not as yeah. exotic. So I prefer ours just off of that. And when it comes to DeMario, I love him as a player, but I just, I, I think John Vilma is for me, I'll take him. I agree. The thing about no, I agree with Vilma that. And that was, that was me and Nick debating that. it. And I took Vilma's side on it. Vilma was <laughs> the man. Vilma's the man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's still, it's has, still, it's still Vilma jerseys all in the stands whenever I come to a game. I got one it should be. Uh, back in my house right now <laughs> with this Super Bowl patch on. Yeah. Like, I think you know. Look, if this comes up, uh, well, I would say he, I would say this comes up on, every, on every. He's episode. in the Hall of Fame without the knee injuries, right? Like he's an NFL Hall of Famer. He'd be in the Hall of Fame now uh, yeah. if his career wasn't cut a little bit short. No, yeah. his career's uh, too short. Career's too short. Yeah, yeah, could be. Uh, he would have been, is what I'm saying, without the injuries. Yeah, but, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but no, all I was gonna say was like, this comes up every pod. We're like, that's an episode for another pod. That's an episode for another pod. Where I think like that defense compared to this defense. But I mean, it's like you said, Roman. It's like, it's a fear of uncertainty. It's almost like a real life fear. You know, like people feared your defense in '09 and '11 because it's like we have no clue what the hell they're going to be doing. Yes. You know, where it's like Dennis Allen. Yeah. They could, they could bulk up. They could have the right people and you could know exactly what they're doing. And it might still stop you. But I'd also you know. say it's fun playing B- defense when you have a lead versus scoring Whoa. 14 points in a game. That's actually, that's fair, a- actually, Nick, defense is a lot Nick, to do. We keep in the lead. Nick, I actually would disagree yeah. with you on that. <laughs> I would disagree with you. Every, like to be in the three to nothing no, 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 no. But everybody thinks it's way easier to play better defense. Not easier. When the when your when your team scores thirty points a game, when actually it makes it harder because now it turns into a track meet. Teams aren't conservative. Yeah. They open it up a lot more. And every I I would talk to I talk and you're to, back on the field all the time, all the time. And now your the other team is getting more aggressive, so they're taking more yeah. shots. They're doing these things, yeah. and they're pros. So it's not like they're not good at it. 
Um, I talk, I had this discussion with Will Herring because he came from Seattle where they played a little bit more conservative brand of football. And he was like, oh, man, dude, we, we should wreck here because we scored like 30 points a game. I'm like, yeah, you think that. And then after about two or three weeks, he's like, dude, it's so much harder. Like everything's so much faster to track me yeah. all the time because right. they know coming into it, they got to get to 28 minimum. And they got to take chances. They gotta to take, yeah. And they got to do those so, things. So it, it's just a different right. mindset. The team switches gears every time you know you play a team like that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm going to ask this one kind of fun question, and we'll get back to some of these draft picks. But, like, when – so when back to that mind frame, Rome, when you're on the sideline, Drew's out there throwing screens at Pierre Thomas, Colson's coming over the over routes and the drags and all that stuff. When when they just pop one at Devery in the end zone, you're, you're thinking you got a little bit more time on the sideline. How often were you just like, shit, Drew? <laughs> You know, now I gotta go back out there. Speaking of the track me. You know, I, the only time I remember that actually happened um, is um, <laughs> we beat. No, we beat the Indianapolis Colts one time, like almost seventy to nothing. It was like bad. <laughs> hey, come out, come out, Rome, Rome. You're gonna love this. That game. Maybe they scored three. Maybe they scored three. Bro, it was bad. That, was, that, was, that, that game was the day before Root opened up. Because we were doing all the work in the restaurant, and I'm like, I got to yeah. go to the game. I went to the game. We blew out the Colts, went back to the restaurant, and was doing shit, setting up stuff, and we opened up the next day. Ah, so you remember it. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a um, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night. It was one yeah. of those games. I mean, it was awful. Like, that was the only time I was like, dude, we need to stop scoring. Like, this is getting embarrassing. Because <laughs> you're like, I got to go back out there, helmet on, I'm going back out again. Not, not only that, but I'm like, we need to save some for, like, another game. This is, like, it was just bad karma. I'm like, we got to have bad karma after this. Like, you don't get to just beat teams by 60 points in the NFL and nobody, like, it just doesn't happen. So, it was um, it was one of those. That To me, that was the only time, Court. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I guess otherwise you're just ready to like rip it and gun and let's yeah. go. Let's go. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, cool. Let's jump on the uh, the second day. So there's Isaiah Foskey and Kendra Miller. So any opinions on those two? All right. So I, I know both players. Um, Isaiah Foskey was preseason. He was projected to be a first-round pick. He was the best player on Notre Dame's defense. Uh, he was the one guy that they said was an NFL prospect, the high-end guy. And so he's got size. He's got speed. He was the 10-sack guy, 10-plus sack guy the year before. Um, and he plays, you know, he played at a big program. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see more of him before I really uh, finalize an opinion on him. Um, but I know it is a position of need. Cam Jordan's in like year thirteen. Like we can't just keep, we just can't keep depending. Yeah, we can't just keep depending on Cam to just go be the sack guy again, to Cam. So it's good to have some other guys around Cam to help take some some pressure off of him. Even though Cam's not going to come out of the game because he's always in such phenomenal shape. But it, yeah, it's always great to have more and more guys uh, to put around them, and you can never have enough pass rushers. Kendra Miller, I studied him at TCU uh, in the playoffs when they played Michigan and also when he was going to play Georgia where he hurt his ankle in the game against Michigan in the semifinals. I thought he was the bell cow for that offense that, yes, everybody loved the quarterback and Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver. But at the end of the day, when they needed big plays, 
they were going to Kendra Miller, whether it was in the screen game, in the short middle screen game, or allowing him to run the ball and busting it, busting the holes wide open. And then next thing you know, uh, open and softening things up for the pass as well. So um, I thought he was a really, really good running back. I actually thought at the time when they took him that they may take another running back from another school. But um, who? I can't remember. You said the baby. I can't remember exactly who it was at the time. I have to go back in my text, which I'm on my phone, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was thinking that, um, oh, the running back from UAB. Oh, uh, McBride. Yes, I thought they may go running back from UAB, but they went with the one from TCU instead. So, um, which I'm not mad. We'll see how it goes. I think Kendra is a good good player. Um, But I just know the one from UAB was top-notch as well, and he was still available. Yeah, Dwayne McBride. I would say about about Kendra, I mean – I, I scouted those semifinal games too, Roman, as you know, my, my affiliation with the Georgia Bulldogs. But uh, I'll say this about Kendra. Look, before he got injured in that semifinal game, when I watched TCU, you're right. Like, he provided that third wheel, that third leg to that offense that did so well that year. And when I was watching him as a fan and as somebody that said, my team's going to have to play against this running back, I said, this, this is a problem. I mean, even even for the defense that my alma that my alma mater had, I'm like, this is a someone that we're gonna have to account for. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping, as a Saints fan, that when he gets in front of other defenses, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Bucks, what are we playing the AFC South this year? <laughs> that it's like it's somebody that they're gonna have to account for, and I think it's kind of what you hope for out of an offensive draft pick. Yeah, also, uh, it's also all these are things of need, all right? DN, they need more depth at the DN position. You know, they had a couple guys yeah. break out last year, some edge players that w- that stepped up um, that we were not expecting. But, hey, let's go get some more, right? And then that running back, because, you know, AK's probably going to miss some time. So let's go yeah. get some more guys that can tote the rock, continue to take more and more pressure off everybody around every- him, and that in that offense, let's go get some more weapons. So I'm totally down with that. I, I actually like it. And Corey, just for further, um, you know, just an observation. Um, I, I don't know if we should, you know, start bringing up uh, third legs of offense or of anything else you don't want to talk on the about podcast. What, what on the podcast. I don't get it. I don't get it. What do you mean? What do you mean, Roman? Put out there. Why, why not? Why not? Just, you know, like you got the quarterback. Roman is here. QB wide out running back. I mean, I don't know what what I have, you know, we got one leg, two legs. All right, all right. All right, all right Roman, I got a question yeah, for you. We got it. We got it. We got it. Come on. I have a question. So there's a lot of uh talk in the media and, and on uh message boards and all of that with regards to player character character concerns. So we've had this discussion before with the whole Deshaun Watson, the Saints pursuit of Deshaun Watson, I guess last offseason. And then you go into uh, players like Jalen Carter and stuff like that. It's like, how much does the quote-unquote character concerns play into a locker room? Like, like how do you guys think about it? You know, it, is it a big deal to you, or is it overblown by the media? Uh, 
Well, it just depends on what kind of teammates you are. Um, I think Jalen Carter is going to a good situation just because he's surrounded by Georgia Bulldogs. Um, and it's an SEC field team, whether it's Alabama, Georgia, or everybody else yeah. down there in the SEC. So they got tons and tons of that guy. So if you have the locker room that can deal and nurture these young men that are coming in that may have character question marks or problems like that's that you you're more acceptable of that like okay we can bring them in because we trust our locker room it's a good locker room like we're going to be fine like guys are going to put their arms around we can take him and so we're willing to take a little bit more risk on that side of it versus some locker rooms that are a little bit more unstable or a little bit more fractured like denver right now can't take a lot of questionable character guys they've already had locker room a little bit of fracture last year with some of the things that's going on and what's gotten out or leaked out of the locker room. So the more things that you hear out of a locker room usually lets me know that the the strength of the locker room is not where it needs to be. The strongest locker rooms, you never hear about anything. Uh, none of the tiffs, none of the fights, none of the arguments, like nothing gets out. And so, um, but it, it's, it's like a measurement, right, Max, that, you know, if you're highly talented, like I can allow character to be down here. Right. But the characters up there and the talents up there, it's perfect home run. But, you know, you know, high character guys, maybe not have as much talent, but they'll get drafted and brought in before the guy with more talent, lower character or or like same talent, but less character. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Roman, did you ever run into a situation in your career where there was a character issue with a player that was difficult to manage in the locker room? that you and maybe some other leaders on the team had to deal with? Uh, Yeah, we had some terrible rookies and some young guys. But, you know, I try and help. I always try to, you know, reach out, extend, and and be a good guidance for anybody that came into a locker room I was in, especially in my position group. And, you know, eventually, guy, like, but I can't hold your hand. You know, you got to be a pro. You got to learn how to be an adult. I'm not asking you to be a perfect pro, but you got to be able to, you know, you got to at least like handle your own business. And that's hard for some guys. And eventually the game gets them, which means like they going, they ain't going to be here long. Like it's just part of it, you know, the business side of it. And that's part of the game. Like I don't worry about that because the game usually takes care of all those character things eventually on its own. Um, One good example though, was um, Josh Norman. When I got to uh, Carolina, uh, Steve Wilkes yeah. was a DB coach, and he was like, look, we got this young guy named Josh Norman. Uh, he could be good, man, but we just – he needs some more guidance. He needs some, you know, more people to love on him. Like, he just needs some help on, like, how to be a pro. And so when I first got there, I, I, I called Josh, got his number, called him, said I heard he's a good player. I would love to meet him. I'm new um, that I'm going to have his – and so we sat down, broke bread. I told him I was going to have his back. He, he, I asked him, like, what he felt was missing in the room. He was like, you know, guys that have each other's back, like people be joking and stuff all the time. And, you know, and some things aren't funny. And he felt picked on at times and, you know, came in and really just trying to every wipe the slate clean with everybody and uh, start from the ground up. And uh, he really flourished under that microscope, man. And uh, it was it was great for him. I saw him a couple. Yeah. And uh, to see him grow, he's one of the I'm one of the more proud situations that I was a part of was seeing Josh Norman's grow. That year you got there, he went all pro, right? Uh, next year, but he was on the way. He was on the way that first year in 14. Yeah, I mean, he was unbelievable. You can see it. Yeah. That's awesome. What other picks you want to talk about, Max? 
I think uh, day three. So we had uh, Nick Saldaveri, offensive lineman. I think Old Dominion. Jake Hayner, quarterback, who we traded up for from uh, Fresno State. Jordan Howden, safety, Roman's position. Um, and also A.T. Perry, wide receiver. Anybody All right, so where did, Howden, where did Howden come from? Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. P.J. Fleck. Yeah, the fact that you bring up P.J. Fleck first kind of makes me a little nervous. Um, I actually, the quarterback, <laughs> the, actually the quarterback, everybody was really, really high on. It's just like he has everything but the size. He's small. But, man, he's got swag. He's got arm strength. He's got it all. Uh, very athletic. Um, so I'm well, really excited come on, to come see. On. Sell Nick on him because Nick doesn't like this pick. Sell him on it. Uh, I would I would say. Well, real quick, real quick. You said you had concern about P.J. Flood. I, I don't – I wasn't knocking him as a player. I was knocking the pick for the Saints in this year with their mission, meaning – are you better off looking at another position for depth like you were talking about on defensive line, offensive line, cornerback, options on the table, or do you pick a quarterback today that probably doesn't see the field for minimum, what, three years? Who cares? With the car contract. Who cares? It's five, like, <laughs> it's a fifth or sixth round pick. It was a sixth round pick, fifth and sixth, right? Fourth. You get fourth. fourth. The opportunity cost is fourth round pick. It's day I'm, three. I'm, day three. I'm, I'm still... I'm still not even mad at it just because I'm telling you, man, a lot of people really like this young man. Um, and I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I, I can't wait to see him in preseason because I look, my favorite saint preseason all time saints player was Tyler Palco back in the day. I mean, <laughs> dude, it, it was. Yeah, Jason, these guys are talking about JJ McCleskey yes, in our first podcast. Love so it. that is right. Look, Robin, you were right good. on point. You're coming in from the right, just like good. you always did. Tyler Palco was awesome. Robin, you, just, you just put that. You just made close right, to the pin. Right, I, I gotta hear this. I, gotta I love Tyler Palco <laughs> in preseason. Tyler Palco, it was action packed. It was action packed. You were never bored. He's running around. <laughs> He's throwing interceptions. He's throwing touchdowns. Lefty. Yeah, bro, yeah. he's lefty. He's doing it all. <laughs> that is, I live for rookies in preseason, just like. So you live for lefty rookies. Dude, it's yeah. going to be you awesome. I think it'll be awesome to see this young man get out there and get it. And look, the, Sa yeah. the Saints, yeah, they love David Carr, but the moment that they can move on with a younger option, they're doing it. That's the name of the game. So. Um, That's two years two years away though contract wise, it, right? If we're talking, no, it's not. You no, think bullshit? That. It's one year away. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, oh, you think um, that? I, I'm going to ask you to to answer the, un, the unanswerable question of what is the contract with Mickey Loomis, right? Well, I mean, so everybody everybody gives Mickey a lot of credit for that. And look, I love Mickey to death, but the um, the star behind the whole show Kai is Kai. Hurley. Yes. Kai. Kai is the man. I'm telling yep. you, it, the Saints are in <laughs> cap restrictions and in cap hell every year. And Kai, yeah, bum bum bum, smooths them here. Like he's a magician with the stroke of a pen every year. And so yeah. I, he's, like, <laughs> he's like Tom Cruise in Kai, just like Coy, Coy, come out. Kai Harley is the man. All the credit for the agree. it belongs to Kai Harley at this point. He is yeah. the man. That's what I'm saying. Kai, Kai he's, is. He's the Tom Cruise that comes in Minority Report. He's like, give me the red sure. ball. Where just say Kai Harley is the man. Yeah. That's it.
I love it. Um, <laughs> Kai, and, I, and I, I love Mickey. Mickey's the man, too. But Mickey is so great with people. Like, that's one of Mickey's specialties is people and understanding that and um, the ebbs and flows of it, uh, but giving power to others. And, you know, I, I truly, truly love Mickey Loomis as a, as a human being, as a man, as a GM. But I'm telling you, Kai Hartley is, is the guy that's like the superstar behind the scenes that, that uh, not everybody on the outside knows, but if you know, you know. So how long till he's a GM? So uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if that's like Kai's uh, ultimate goal. I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to ask Kai if that's what he truly, truly wants. But man, Kai's the one, dude. Like you know, hey, I, I got to get a, a fifth corner at this number. Da da da. Like I understand we're trying to get two or three guys, but this one wants this. Well, this is all I got money wise because this is what I've set aside for this. And so we go make it work, and we go get the best at that. And they're just man they're relentless at their craft all those people upstairs um they deserve a lot of credit and they all been doing it for a very long time in new orleans and like i said mickey allows them to to they all have a plan they all have a goal it's such a family oriented building and uh from from the top down it it's really is uh all hands on deck and it's uh i'm a, i'm so happy and uh it's a pleasure to be called a saint you know it really is because of the people there well, Rome, let me ask you, what do you know about Jordan Howden? So he was the uh, the safety that came from Minnesota. Do you have any insight on him, or is it kind of? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay. Nah. What would you he say? He said, PJ uh, Fleck, no, I'm out. No, listen, yeah. listen. I might drop it after uh, that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one for another day. Look, I've heard he's, he was a preferred walk-on you know, kind of push. Give it up, up, Corey. It's over. But it's a no. Corey, just stop. What about the receiver? What about the receiver? North Real Carolina, quick. closer to home. At Perry. So I've heard Wake about Forest him a lot. Me. Yeah, Wake Forest guy. I think uh, I, I heard about him a, a bit uh, just as he was coming out. I thought people thought he would get drafted way higher, way before when he yeah. did. So something's there. Um, I don't know what, uh, but. We'll see how it goes, man. At the end of the day, it's it's guys that get drafted late all every year that don't make it. It's guys that get drafted early that make it for a year or two and they bounce. Then it's guys you never heard of. It's a reason why I think fifty one percent of the NFL are like small school guys now. Like it's small school. It's undrafted. It's yeah. later rounds guys that are, that get there and make it because they have this work ethic and. The ability to say I'm not going to be denied on this goal I'm trying to achieve versus guys that maybe get it, get a little money in their pocket, that get drafted, get their name called, and like, man, I'm going to make it just because I'm here now, right? And uh, you just can never rest. You can never relax. Literally every day, they're trying to find a replacement for you uh, most times, most days. Yeah. So kind of kind of the idea that there's always somebody better. Well, not always somewhere better, but they're either they're always trying to find – you know, like you're good enough until I can find somebody better or just as good and cheaper. Well, yeah. your draft year, Pierre Thomas, perfect example. Uh, Pierre was oh seven. No, yeah, a couple years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year after the year after, yeah. one year after, but we drafted a yeah. uh, Pittman from Ohio State. Right, and, uh, the same in year 07 or 08. Pierre. Yeah, and, and Pierre beat him out. Yeah, and 08. it was almost yeah. like yeah, it was almost like Sean used as an example forever to say, hey, like I don't care how you get here. It's all about, you know, 
we don't care where you're drafted at. Yeah, once you get here, when we get here, because I'll, I'll cut it. He was good in college. He was good in college, but he wasn't better than Pierre in pre in preseason. No, he just wasn't better. No, hell no, hell no. All right, so Roman, uh, best team in Saints history. Which one? Twenty eleven. Eleven. 2009, 2009, because we won it all. You got to oh, win it. Okay. You got to win it. Uh, most talented is probably 2011, but yeah, you, you got to win it, man. Like, and you got to be lucky. Yeah. You know, um, things yeah. got to go right. Uh, we played the 49ers in 2011, had like five turnovers, played terrible. Um, but we had still almost we had, yeah, because we had so much firepower and we were so electrified offensively and defensively causing a couple turnovers to get ourselves back in the game, but just one too many blitzes, one too many give up big plays, and uh, they really cost us, and it cost the champs to win another Super Bowl because New York would have had to come to New Orleans in there. Dude, that place would have been rough. Y'all steamrolled yeah, earlier. We wouldn't have been like the 2016 or so Saints that let the Rams beat them at home. Um, that just didn't happen for us. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we were undefeated that year at home. So, um yeah, electrifying year. Um, but like I said, you got to be lucky. You got to be healthy. Things got to go right for you. Ship's got to fall. All yeah. right, my last question for you, since you brought up Keekley and John, between Keekley and John, Luke. <laughs> Luke's the best player. Luke? Luke's the best player you've ever played with. Is he the best player you ever played with? Defensively, for sure. Um, really? Luke's, yeah. Luke, yeah, defensively, for sure. Not the best player I ever played with. Uh, John Vilma is still the best leader of men I've ever been around. Yeah. Yeah. Just curious. That's awesome. No, it's, man, I've never seen anybody do it like Luke, man. Special. I'm not like, I mean, he's telling you what play it's coming. Hey, it's like, and he's always right. And he taught, I love, and (laughs) the funniest thing, the funniest thing, the, the best stories I have with Luke is like when he's, he talks trash, you know, like, you know, like white. He's so funny though, because he learned how to talk trash from Thomas Davis. But he like, he, he, I was waiting for the Thomas Davis because like, I, I love TD. I love TD as well. Um, but like, like Luke talks trash because he learned from Thomas Davis. But he talks trash like a like a like white guy trash talk. So he's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like he always like uh, yeah. he like beats him or whatever, and he's like, quit holding me, you pussy. Quit holding me, and he's like, quit holding me. And then he'll he'll say stuff like, uh, you know, he'll beat a guy. Like I, it's the funniest thing ever. I heard him beat a guy. He's like, yeah, that's a minus. Talking about getting graded the next day. So that's a yeah, minus. he's like, beats the guy. And he tells him like, yeah, that's a minus. Wow. Yeah. And so your your test grade is low. Yeah, now, yeah. Sir. It was, I, I love listening to Luke talk trash. And man, guy was a ferocious competitor. Yeah. And uh, once he got on the field, man, he just took it to another level. His career was too short, too. Though. Yeah. I was about to say, he's he's Hall of Famer, but his career, his career should have been all yeah. to, all time top couple linebackers. Ever, uh, right? It, it could have been, but you know the thing was he, um, you know, he. I don't think he was ready to accept him having any type of fall off in his career, his numbers, and where he saw himself at. So before that ever became yeah. a, a thing or an issue, he'll just walk away. He got yeah. it. Yeah, he was amazing. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think we hit all the, the, the good points. You've been hanging with us for a while, man. Oh, man. Yeah, we no, appreciate no, it. No we doubt, We both. appreciate it always. You're the man. We appreciate you jumping on. Thank you Max, so much. You, you know, Max, this is the first time you didn't talk to me before the draft and say who you were going to pick and who was what. I just want to let no. you know that uh, before we go. 
Um, I'm a little disappointed in you, honestly. Because uh, uh, am I lying? Uh, first, first of all, first of all, am I being honest? This is the first time you've not. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, <laughs> I, just, somebody, just, somebody who's been on those group texts, <laughs> as somebody who's also yeah. been on those group texts, I, I think you're right. This is the this is the that. first time. It's always the, the, the recap. You yeah. know, we we talk about how like last year we're always like. Okay, Rome, what'd you think? What'd you think? What'd you yeah, think? Yeah, and then, all right. Max came in a little late this year, though. He, was, he wasn't as prepared as he was in previous years. No, both that, you didn't have I was, and I'm going to say that Rome already knew my number one guy was Bryce Young, because we have talked about this for about three years now. A thousand percent. But, okay, Paul, real quick. Last question, Roman. Sorry, I forgot to ask you this one. As a Carolina fan. Who wins the division? Oh. After Carolina getting Bryce, Saints doing what they did in the offseason, who's the division winner? So so I, I, I still think that um, the Saints have the lead early because the quarterback situation is probably better. But I'm telling you, man, Carolina getting Bryce Young, this dude is going to be a problem. For a lot of teams going forward, and he's just right, so Nick and look, everybody, believer, every, every, so. everybody's very concerned with his height, his size, and yeah. I and I'm yeah. just like, I mean, he's been playing quarterback that size like his whole life, and he's his and whole it, life, and he's smart and he, as shit, he's and, smart and he has won at every level, um, and it just he just is a football player. He's a he's a magician um, with the football in his hand, especially inside the pocket, uh, accuracy. Anticipation, throwing the ball, um, you know, in tight windows. Like, man, he's just so good and dynamic. Um, I, I just, if Carolina can keep him healthy and protect him with offensive play calling and everything, I, I really think this kid's going to be outstanding long term. And look, maybe he doesn't play 15 years. If he gives you seven or eight great ones with like six playoffs, a couple of Pro Bowls, you can't be mad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't be mad. You you got to be like, yeah. oh, it was it was worth yeah, it all. Yeah. So I I, I, I think so often where everybody tries to think of Aaron Rodgers and all these other people. And look, for as great as Aaron Rodgers been, he only brought up one Super Bowl. So yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a cocky dude. <laughs> I don't know. One he's, more he's question. A he's a something dude. One more question for you since we're on the Alabama train. Hurts or, or Tua? Oh, uh, so. I, you know, I so I, I'm going to go now currently, I'm going to go Jalen just because the thing I love about Jalen Hurts the most is that, you know, I talked to him when he was at Alabama. And, you know, this was right before, this was after the national championship game where Tua came in and won. Tua yeah. And so yeah. he was going through a quarterback battle that spring training and he had all these other things that he kind of wanted to do. And I just told him to focus in that, you know, what I talked to my guy at Clemson about that they had a, that he had a scramble pattern problem that literally he couldn't, he could only scramble. He'd fade out to the right or he'd go up and to the right. And so he couldn't go to his left. Like it would be lanes and stuff and he just couldn't do it. And so everybody knew that about him. And so he worked on it. And the thing that I loved about Jalen hurts till this day is that he has literally improved his game every year since high school. Like, yeah, like sure. his freshman year at, at Alabama, he won all he won all these awards: SEC Offensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, blah blah blah. Took his team to a national championship, lost the game, 
you know, but when he was on the field, they scored last. And all of a sudden they lose, right? Second year, undefeated again, takes them to another national championship. They lose. Well, they win it because Tua comes in and saves them. All right. right. Pants, right. Third year. He's improved passing, even though Tua's lighting it up. But when Jalen gets in, you're like, man, he's actually a better thrower this year. Like, he's throwing the ball better this year with these better receivers, right? And so you saw him improve. You know, in the SEC championship against Georgia, comes in late when Tua gets hurt. Leads his team to a, a victory in the SEC championship. Does himself off. Yep. Like, you're just like, man, you love this. Like, you can only root for this dude. Goes to Oklahoma, shows even more improvement in the pass game, right? Second round pick, you know, and was a Heisman semifinalist or finalist at Oklahoma. Finalist, yeah. Goes to get yep. drafted by Philly. Philly didn't love the pick in the second round. Started some as a rookie, wasn't great. The following year, like, dude, big jump up. Then this past year, to see him right there in the MVP conversation, I'm like, he has just constantly improved his game after year after year. And so I love and I root for those players that, man, they don't sit on their lawns, man. All they want to do is get better. And it does, and they're, they're willing to put in the work for it. And so I will never doubt that young man because, number one, he's a winner. And, number two, he's got the work ethic, and he has steadily improved. And so until he proves me that he's not improving anymore, I will continue to bet on that young man. It's yeah. like you said. I mean, there's no room for argument against what you yeah. just said. You know, like the best players, you know, you talk, I mean, I'm not comparing Jalen to MJ, but I mean, <laughs> the best ever give you no argument against them. My, you know, and, and I think the thing that's crazy to me. sample size with Jalen, but like, like you said, in this sample size that we have, you can't argue. No, nobody could argue that, oh, there was a year where Jalen Hurst took a step. Yeah. And you can't say that Tua has continued to grow and, um, and get so much better. Like you can with Jalen, like Jalen has like really improved as a quarterback since his freshman year at Alabama. Tua's gotten better. Yes. Tua, but Tua was lights out early and, and yeah, from from the the jump. jump. And like, you see these flashes now where he's, lights out but you also see times you're like ah i don't know about that one too so it's been interesting right, but well, i got a question for you. The thing that's impressive to me real quick is how they got three guys with that level of character and intelligence in a row because it's not for those three guys we'll see where their nfl careers pan mean, out long term bama i know you don't like this but i mean there's two words <laughs> they can say it's hard not to like the three of those guys well, with bryce to and yeah you're leaving out mac jones who's a little bit in yeah, between there yeah. too so but uh, we're, the vets. we're the vets one year yeah one year but it's those three guys to have that is kind of crazy in one program i know they get whatever they want in the recruiting world that they're number one pretty much every year and until your guys got a couple on them. But <laughs> that, that's pretty impressive to me from a mentality a standpoint, a row, not so row. much a skill set standpoint, but the way they are and the way they play. Bryce is the smartest guy in college football by all accounts. And you see the way he plays is so intellectual. Yeah. Jalen is such a good leader, intellectual. Tua, you hear the same kind of things. That's just impressive to me for them. And, you know, I'm eager to see which one ends up be the best. But All right. It's all well, not So Roman, I have a question for you. So we're going to say this year's draft only. We have Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jameel Gibbs. 
three Alabama guys going in the first round. Who has the best pro career? Mm, I mean, if I had if I had to bet it, given I'm, situations, I'm, because I'm going to. It's all right. I already, already already got my already got my answer. I'm going to go with Will Anderson just because. I, I believe in the Terminator, bro. I've seen his upbringing. I love his parents. Um, and let me tell you, and to talk about wh- what you guys wanted to say earlier, that was the best draft move to me I, I think I've seen in a long time for Houston to draft a quarterback yeah. at two and then say, F the future. Like, I won't even oh. be here in two years unless I come back up and go get my defensive guy that I wanted to fill in the locker room and be a, a starter then too. So I love that move to get CJ Stroud at two, go, get back in and go get Will Anderson at three and say, we don't even care about next year's top player. We're going to get him now. I love him. Let's right. go get him. Why can't they draft Will Anderson too and then trade up for Stroud? Because they would have had to pay a lot <laughs> We need more. a defensive guy no, there. It's interesting you say that because if they would have drafted – no. The defensive end nah, first just makes a trade. You no, make a trade no. I, I, you make I, I, I think. I think. Yeah, I, I think. I think you get the QB early because you, you just got to get the QB. Yeah. Man, I don't. I don't. I don't even yeah. know if they. They didn't have the draft. They didn't have the pick locked in yet. I don't think they had the trade locked in yet. They were working on the trade the whole damn time that yeah. they were. They're so like, all right. Look, all right, we're going quarterback. Fine. I want Will. Can we make this happen? We can we make it happen? Yeah. How much yeah. can we go? Can, and so they pushed it all the way up until, and they made it. And to, he's the best player in the draft, right? Will Anderson's best player. I don't know. I don't know about that. Sometimes. Jalen. I don't think it's Jalen Carter. You just picked him over Bryce. So who's better? Who's better than Will Anderson? You in this said career wise. So. Oh. No, no, no. In this draft, who uh, would you take one overall? Oh, I, I'm taking, I'm taking Bryce. I'm taking Bryce for sure. It's a quarterback. Bryce went overall. Okay, okay. I am too, honestly. But let me say this: so the trade, the trade for Will Anderson. So let's break it down because this is big. If you look at the Vegas odds right now, the two teams projected to go one and two in the in the win loss record are the Texans and the Cardinals. The Cardinals have both of those picks. The Cardinals are projected to have the first and the second pick in the draft right now. Uh, come on, come on. That is Caleb Williams, and that is Marvin Harrison Jr. That is awesome. Yeah, they can get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, look, so is Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. greater than C.J. Stroud and uh, Will Anderson? Yeah, Will Anderson. Will Anderson. You know all that's all that no, all that no. is to be determined. Bro, that's that's and, tough. You know what, and you know what, Max. I hate to do it to you, bro, but I'm gonna hit you with a, a Nick Sabanism, and that is that. Uh, oh shit! I don't answer hypotheticals. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, you gotta whittle your. <laughs> all right, that's fair. But honestly, yeah. we're gonna push Nick Saban to the side. We're gonna put him over there. You can swig of your beer. The reality is. One of those two teams is going to have the first pick in the draft, and they're going to get one of those guys, and that other pick is going to be like two or three away. So, well, Max, you're assuming that yeah. because, like Roman said, hypothetical day one, two. There's very good chance they're not one, two. Look, there's no first way of all, first right of all, now, Houston, Houston is going to be a lot better than what everybody anticipates. It yeah, always happens Vegas, every year. Vegas ain't wrong much, man. But they are. They are yeah, they when are. you put the lines out early. Like, 
Yep. Okay. Like we should have just bet all our money, a couple thousand on Bryce Young, because that's why all the Will Levis stuff started coming out late because they lost their ass off when everybody that bet Bryce Young early, yeah. right? When they when they 100%. put the lines out. As soon as Carolina got the pick, Gee. first round pick, CJ Stroud jumped up. And everybody that bet Bryce still Young early still still had they won their big. So Roman, it's so funny because Nick doesn't believe in Bryce Young at all. And I've been trying to tell him since the fucking high school all That's not true. That's not he don't want to listen, dude. He does not want to listen. He doesn't believe Max. He's like, let him tell you Pieces in the screen right now. My my comment exactly to you, Max, was Bryce Young's going to play a very long time. I don't know if he's a top five guy in the game mm. for an extended period of time. He's going to play a very long time. That's I mean, what who, I told you. Who is he's a very good player. Top five is what we're talking about, not whether he's going to okay. be a good player. Go on the record right now. Is he a top 10 quarterback ever? Fuck it. Top five. Ever? Not, not ever. In his career, will he be a top five guy in the NFL in a given season multiple years? In a given season, maybe over a 10-year span, no. That's my, that's my prediction. In a given season, yes. Over a 10-year span, no. That's my prediction. I think it's. I like him. I think he's incredible. I love really smart guys like Bryce Young. I love it. I think he's, he's a top five man. guy multiple times in his career. Two? Is that what you're going on the hook for? One more than me? No, I'll go three, four, five. Okay, five. How many times? Okay, how many times all pro was Bryce Young? Come on, man. Oh, how many times no, all pro was Bryce Young? We're going so off the rails right now. <laughs> all pro. All pro is the metric. Roman, Roman's just sitting back. Like our, 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 our the the yeah. 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 My, my, my phone's going to die soon. So. so, Roman, our metric yeah, for uh, great quarterbacks is all pro. For any player, <laughs> all pro is the metric, whether it's second or first team. Nick, what was it when you came on? How many for a quarterback? What do we what do we decide that uh, how many times for an all pro? For what? To make the Hall of Fame? Or to mark you as a great quarterback. I guess, yeah, Hall of Fame. Fuck it. Hall of Fame's probably five, four to five. Four to five. Okay. Is a guarantee. Is okay, a guarantee. Yeah. It, we're talking about guarantee. Not some quarterbacks have made it with less than that, but a guarantee <laughs> is making four to five for mm-hmm. a quarterback. Guarantee. You're in. Sounds like Rums in on that too. I'm going with Bryce, three to four. Like Eli's making the Hall of Fame, but he did not make All Pro. I don't think once, but he's going to make the Hall of Fame. He won two Super Bowls. Eli Manning he probably should. Yeah. To you, Roman, uh, he's got what? The hardware? Yeah. Twice. And right. He, he barely Young, he barely over five hundred. Bryce Young makes Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, he might be. Right. Yeah, exactly. but he's not the hardware. Bryce Young makes All Pro. You win two Super Bowls at quarterback. You're a Hall of Famer. You win. That's what? what happened. Okay, wait. Sorry. Go ahead, Max. Bryce Young makes All Pro four times. Cam Newton didn't make Hall of Fame. I know. I know less than four times. Was it? You, what, what Cam Newton around? didn't make Pro All Pro four times. So. Yeah, exactly. I know he's not a passer. I'm talking about Bryce Young. I'm going less passer. than less than less than four. You got four and above. How about that? That's going, the bet. I'm, I'm going under. Under. All right. Record it. Boom. And it doesn't yeah. make him a bad player. He yeah. could be a yeah. Player. He, he, we're, not, we're we're gonna leave this as like, yeah. Leave this up. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna say, say anything. Roman. Yeah, like like no, like we're not gonna <laughs> put Rome in that spot. Nope. Like he's a former Carolina Panther. Like as this yeah. is a fan take because like that kind of shit is like. 
And let me be clear, oh, like, is someone going to make All Pro 4 or X times? Like, you, gotta, you gotta put a line on some crazy. stuff. This is just a bet between me and Matt. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're not going to make wrong I'm rooting for Bryce because he's a great kid. That's why I'm rooting for Bryce. I hope he's amazing. I really do. Uh, except when he plays us. Other than that, I hope... Uh-oh, what's the Yeah, yeah, it's getting, it's about the, I'm about to turn up, guys. So. Alright, Roman's gotta go, Matt. Yeah, so I'm about to turn up. up. <laughs> we did good, yeah, man. Like Corey, wrap it we up. We really appreciate it, Roman. It was awesome. Hey man, I appreciate you guys, man. Who that? Corey, Nick, Max, you know I love you. So uh love you too, Corey. Sorry. Um I appreciate you guys for yeah, having man, me, man. I, okay. I really do. Um it was always fun. And anytime you guys need me, you know I'm always around. So thank you. Hey Rome. We appreciate yeah, you, buddy. Like yeah. Thanks, man. There can only be one first guest of the twenty eight to three podcast. You are it, Roman. Thank Robert. you, baby. And until uh, next time, guys, here and we go. Enjoy. Thank you. Max, feel better, too. Trying, bro. Appreciate you, man. Boom. What a comeback.